And then we got married last October to keep it really short. And um, in the roller coaster event since then, my cancer had, had come back. And six days before my cancer had come back, we had found out that we were pregnant and having a baby, which we didn't know would be possible after uh, the first round of treatment. And if you listen to this podcast frequently, you know that a lot of the people that I find are from my favorite platform, LinkedIn. And this is definitely one of those people. And I highly recommend if you're already not to follow along with this guy, because he talks about something important to all of us, money, but he incorporates his faith into it in a way that I just think is so admirable. And I learn from him every single day, Jack Ziegler, the third, welcome to the show, man. Thank you, Hampton. Good to finally meet you and, and chat. I've been excited to to come on and talk to you. Mm, this is going to be great. Well, I I, I really want to jump right in uh, and 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 just go deep from the beginning because you seem like the type of guy that um, is vulnerable and talks about hard things and real things and all of that. Um, mm -hmm. Can you tell me about some of the big life scenarios that have happened for you between? You got married and then um, I know you got some good news and then some hard news. Like I just, if you don't mind, I just want to jump into like what's going on in your life and then we can back out and hear some more about your story and stuff. Yeah, we'll, we'll start at the climax and then we'll work our way to the details. Um, yeah, so I, um, five months before my wife and I got married, um, I was diagnosed with cancer and um that's obviously a hard thing to hear as you're getting ready for marriage. Not one of the things that you're um, thinking about, but um, yeah, through that experience, thanks be to God, that was a quick, um, quick recovery last summer. Um, then we got married last October to keep it really short. And um, in the roller coaster event since then, my cancer had, had come back. And six days before my cancer had come back, we had found out that we were pregnant and having a baby, which we didn't know would be possible after uh, the first round of treatment and um, certainly not after the second round of treatment. So thanks be to God, I finished that second round of treatment. We're expecting a baby boy in December and, you know, God's been with us the whole, the whole way, the ups and downs and and really shown us, um, yeah, how to trust him, how to live our marriage as one and, um, you know, what he can do through that. Wow. That, I mean, that's a lot. I mean, the, the, the diagnosis as you're probably in the middle of wedding planning and stuff like that, then the, the marriage and the good news that maybe like it's gone, but then you get it again, right after you find out that, yeah, I mean, uh, that you're having a baby. So like, there's lots of, lots of highs and lows there. Um, yeah. So yeah, what would you, I mean, I, I feel like that's had to be a catalyst for some moments with God, maybe some like, God, you're all I have, but also some like, maybe God, I, I don't know why, maybe I'm, I'm a little bit frustrated. I mean, have you gone through all that? Yeah, maybe a little bit of God, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> like, definitely there. <laughs> Um, we, yeah, there's a lot of moments. There's moments where you're really scared. There's moments where, uh, you're really angry. There's moments where, um, you don't know what to think or how to feel, uh, what's happening. So you just keep moving forward and don't even know where to begin to start processing. Right. You hear it in 
the movies, but when it happens to you, you never think it's going to be the one you're going to be the one who it happens to where, um, you go to the doctor for a regular checkup and you know, they say, you're going to want to sit down for this. Um, you have cancer. And I remember in that moment when the first time we found out, um, yeah, I just remember at first, like almost laughing, like, you gotta be kidding me. How is this possible? Not really able to process it a little bit in shock. And then as I'm driving home, um, that, you know, they say we got emergency surgery on Tuesday. Um, like cancel whatever you've got going on. Um, clear your schedule for the foreseeable future. We got to deal with this. Um, and yeah, I'm driving home and I went to the only place I knew, uh, which was to Christ. Right. I went to the chapel. Um, we, I'm Catholic, so we call it the Adoration Chapel um, and just sat there and um, spent time with with Christ, asking him, God, like the only question I could think of is, God, like if this cancer took me, would you be proud of me? Would you be proud of the way that I live my life? Um and just in a still voice, heard him speak into to my life, my heart, not in an audible voice, but in a knowing of Jack, yes, I'm proud of you, not because of what you've done, not because of uh, what you've accomplished, but because of who you are uh, and not anything can take that away from you, not cancer, not your sin, nothing. You're my son and that is never going to change, you know, and that that washing over me gave me the peace and the confidence to move forward in whatever else was going on in my life with confidence, knowing that he's going to be with me and we're going to be better because of this. Um, so yeah, that was, I, I guess the, the gist in the beginning of what I was feeling, I think captures a lot of what we were experiencing and, and some of my prayer during that time. It's a powerful story, man. I mean, that moment to, to go and sit before God and, and say, I, I, I'm about to get married. I want to have kids. I want to, I want to do this and I want to do that. And like, yeah. just to hear the the whisper of like, Hey, you're my son. I love you. You know, um, that, that is powerful, man. And I know that like, I mean, I, I've found that it, it's a, there's not really a box checker with that. Like I forget almost daily that, that God views me that way. And I feel like I wake up in my flesh typically is like, okay, go do go, um, go accomplish. Yeah. Uh, and, and if, if I'm honest, that's probably because it's easy to find my identity in anything but Christ. Um, but as we know, even if we do go do all of those things and, and make all of that money, as I know you talk a lot about it, it usually will not, or really never fulfill us, you know? No, I can't satisfy. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Well, I mean, I read something you shared the other day, um, just about, about money, about finances. And it was, uh, somebody challenged you to give it away. I think you said something like, have you ever tried giving, giving more than you're comfortable away? Like you were talking about generosity. Yeah. Yeah. That, that ties in too. Cause when I, um, was diagnosed and started questioning, a lot of what am I doing? Am I doing living a life that would make you proud? 
God, right? Like, am I living a life that I want to live, leaving the legacy behind that I would want to leave behind? And um, a lot of that being in the financial services world, um, a lot of our world is designed to help people build wealth for its own sake, right? Mm. Just store up treasure in barns. And when the, those barns are filled, tear them down and build bigger barns. And we've got a lot of fancy words and a lot of things to describe those barns. Um, and I, I didn't want to do that. I, I, I thought there had to be another way. Um, and I remember asking a spiritual director and, and just contemplating this and just being like, can I, can I do this work while guiding people to a generous life, while guiding people to a life that's aimed not at retirement, but at heaven? not at wealth, but at impact. Is that possible? Because if it is, I want to be a part of it. Um, and so that's really what shaped this trajectory and this philosophy to really just keep going, diving into that, um, that space being really intentional there. The story you're referring to is, is about that generosity in particular, right? Where we can store up treasure uh, in heaven, right? By what we give away. Um, and often we use money as a crutch for peace, for security, for freedom, for happiness, right? Those are the, the, the words you hear when you think of money, financial freedom, financial security, financial peace, right? But the reality is money does not provide those things. Money solves money problems, peace, freedom, and, um, and happiness are much bigger than that security, much bigger than that. And it's really through ironically giving it away that we can start to feel some of that burden, um, release, right. Where stress was joy creeps in, I think is what I said. And that, that was my experience as I started to give beyond what I was comfortable with. Um, yeah. It's powerful, dude. It, it, it hurts a little bit when you do that, but like whenever I have, and for you listeners, I'm, I'm not, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not claiming here that I'm just, you know, giving everything away, but like when I have kind of, you know, stretched a little bit further, it's like, it, it's a good feeling not to pat myself on the back, but just to be like, God gave me this anyway. It's like in my church, it's called, we call it bringing time because we're bringing, I mean, the, the tide, like we're bringing back to God, what's really already his, um, and then the giving is that that's like viewed as, as, as extra, like the bringing that, that shouldn't be a, even a, and not to get into like spiritual debates about like tithing or anything like that. But I feel like scripture is pretty clear. It's not like a question. You, you just bring back to God what's already his, but, but the giving part is where I'm starting to ask myself questions. And the thing is, is there's this lie that we can believe, especially the younger folks listening to this, which is probably most of us. It's like, oh, when I make X, then it'll be a lot easier. And sure. and from what everyone tells me, it it oftentimes can maybe be harder. I don't know if you've seen that. <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah, the most generous people who I work with have made it a habit. Have made generosity a habit and a lifestyle, not a spontaneous event. Um often, right, we think of it that way. It's like, once I make X amount, I can give. Or once I've built up my savings, once I've 
had my family, once I've paid for kids' education, once retirement's taken care of, the problem is the the barrier just gets bigger and bigger. We we zoom out and, and the, the comparison kicks in of that number is just going to keep growing and growing and growing. Um, and there's not going to be a point where we say, okay, that's enough. Right. Yeah. Comparison. I, um, I hear you there. I think that's a, that's a big part of it. And it's interesting because nobody really knows how much anybody makes. I mean, there could be one person that's living paycheck to paycheck that has like the nicest things. And then, you know, the wealthiest person around is living a very simple life. And I think that we just fall into this trap where you're looking around and trying to keep up with the Joneses. I think you put you, you, did you not post something the other day about keeping up with the Joneses? <laughs> Do you remember what that was? I remember it being so good. Yeah. Yeah. Very similar concept to what you're, you're describing, right? It's like focusing on the things that show the world what we want to present to the world rather than focusing on what our core values are and aligning our resources towards that living a life intentionally towards the things that are are actually most important to us and so it's like talking about you know and this, not that these things are bad but it's just things that i'm not interested in or like i'm not a big golfer um so i don't need a golf club membership right i i don't need designer clothing. I don't need um, a fancy car. To me, I'd rather build a bigger legacy. I'd rather give more generously. I'd rather uh, spend more time with my family, right? I don't want to chase titles. I want to chase impact. Um, and in a world that's after titles and ways to signal wealth, I'd rather just build it and give it. It's mm. good, man. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Uh, yeah. There's a quote that I have on my desk because I need the reminder more than anyone. Uh, it's this plaque and you may have seen it because I posted about it recently, but it says there is no limit to what a man can do or where he can go if he doesn't mind who gets the credit. And so I love that because it's true. But the, the, my bend is tour is to, um, I probably don't make it obvious, but try to manufacture a way to where people somehow know, you know, it's like, I, I did this noble thing, but, and I, and I may not broadcast it, but like, Oh no, like is, I mean, somebody has to know, I guess I'm asking you is, yeah. has that been a struggle? Like when you say, yeah, I want to have an impact. Well, I mean, I, I guess the question for you and then to the rest of the people that say they want to have an impact and to myself is what if you have a huge impact, but, nobody knows or what if you're praying for revival in your church and it happens across the street at the other church, you know, like, how do you, how do you deal with that? Yeah, that's a really good question. <laughs> I mean, I'm asking myself the same question. So I'm, yeah. I'm not like, <laughs> well, I mean, it points back to the scripture, like give with your left hand without your right hand seeing. Um, mm. And right. In some ways we can do that systematically. So there's ways I try to just get out of my own way in doing that right? When it practically speaking with my money is mm -hmm. by doing things with systems so that it's happening without me having to think about it. Um, mm. but also, um, yeah, that's definitely a struggle. I think for everybody of like, we want the credit when we do something good, we want 
um, to be known. We want to be seen. Uh, and I'm a I'm an Eagles fan, and Carson Wentz, although he's not there anymore, with his whole audience of one thing, that's really what it's about, right? Am I is my audience the world, or is my audience Christ? Um, and right, that's about humility. Humility is not an easy an easy thing. It's probably the the hardest virtue um, out there. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard to, hard to say how to do it. I don't know if I am the best example always, but um, yeah, we try to to live our life for Christ and to bring it to Him. Right, let Him be the one who sees us instead of mm -hmm. someone else. Right. Yeah. My pastor often says that humility is not really a character trait that one can just develop. It's a byproduct of spending time with God. And uh, that's really something that I've been thinking about. And like, it makes me think about the book, The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness, where mm -hmm. um, Tim Keller quotes C.S. Lewis and says like, um, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less yes. or another way to put it. A lot of people think that because they're not very arrogant, um, that they're good checkbox humility. But a lot of times it's, you know, really whether you're self-consumed and insecure or self-consumed and arrogant, they're both equally wrong. That's called pride. Like we just need to think less of ourselves, and that's really humility. And the yeah. only way that I'm ever able to forget myself and not worry about who gets the credit is by spending time with the one that puts breath in my lungs and controls if my wife gets pregnant, if I get the cancer diagnosis, you know, like when you yeah. remind yourself of those things, which you have to do daily. Yeah. That, that's the only chance for me. <laughs> yeah. That we're not in control. There's um, a prayer that uh, called the litany of humility. I don't know if you've heard of it before. Mm -mm. Um, it's really powerful. And it just goes one by one, all of these places trying to detach right from ourself um, and think less of us. Like St. John the Baptist is probably the greatest example, right? He must increase, I must decrease. Uh, he said to prepare the way of the Lord, right? Um, mm -hmm. But in this prayer, it, it goes through from the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved by the world, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being chosen, deliver me, Jesus. Right, and it goes over and over again, all of these things that are difficult. It's like, those are good things. Why do I wanna be delivered from them? But it's this allowing ourselves to step out of the spotlight and say, Lord, it's not for any of that, it's for you. And it's for you alone. Mm. And it's purifying our love, purifying our actions, our intentions to be more and more like Christ, more and more selfless and self-giving. It's good, dude. I'm going to have to get that prayer from you. Um, it makes me think about one of my favorite songs. Uh, I believe it's by Audrey Assad, and it's called Restless. Um she goes like, from the love of my own comfort, from the fear of having nothing, deliver me, oh God, from 
from the need to be understood, from the need to be accepted, deliver me, oh God, and I shall not want. When I taste your goodness, I shall not want. And I hear that, nice. it just wrecks me every time. I'm like, <laughs> I need to hear that today. Um, and it's good, yeah. to, it's good to have brothers like you to be able to talk about that stuff with, you know, surrounding yourself with people that remind you um, of your identity is important. So, I mean, I guess on that mm -hmm. subject, what, what, what does that look like in your life? You know, whether it's other men or different kinds of community, just to, to remind you of this stuff. Cause sometimes on our own, we struggle, right? <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not possible alone. You're not made. Um, it's not good for man to be alone. Right. Um, yeah, I started a um, community up here a couple of years ago um, called and formed a nonprofit called Philly Frasati. Um, and it's after a Italian, young Italian guy who he passed away at 24, um, loved hiking, loved adventure, was very outspoken about his faith and, and very charismatic in bringing people to come to know. Christ. Um, and he died at 24, serving on the streets of Turin, Italy, um, contracted polio during the polio epidemic, right? That from mm. the people he was serving. Um, and on his deathbed, as he was paralyzed, he, he mouthed to his sister, like a note that said, go and give this medicine to this other person on the street, right? His medicine to another man he knew who was dying. Um, and said he needs it more than I do. Meanwhile, he's he's paralyzed on, at 24 on his deathbed with polio. Um, just lived this exemplary life. And so we started a, a group um, here in, in his honor. And um, we go hiking once a month. And then we have like basically just uh, a social gathering once a month as well with um, people from across the area. Um, there's been... A, over 600 young adults uh, that have come to an event over the last two years. And uh, yeah, it's been a great place for community uh, to build up that just people who want to integrate Christ into everything that they do in their life, right? Including the things they love and enjoy. <laughs> wow. That's a really cool story of that guy. Um, and also I love that you've started that group and that a bunch of young adults have come to it. Um, I would love to know, is there somebody, and I know you can find a lot of this just from reading scripture, but like, is there another advisor or somebody else ahead of you, whether it's five or 50 years that you see the way that they talk about and handle their money that you're like, I want to be like them, you know, who do you have some role models in that area? Yeah. Wow. Great question. I don't know if I've ever been asked that before. <laughs> um, Wow. Maybe, uh, maybe not. Maybe, maybe yeah. you're starting a new path. <laughs> no, I, I think that there, there definitely are. Um, I, so there's this, the guy who started Domino's, um, he has donated like most of what he's earned in his life and started wow. schools and institutions and, um, yeah, just really given everything he can, right? He can't give it fast enough. Um, and it's just been really powerful to witness his generosity on a, that's like a higher level. I haven't actually met him, but people who I've met are, 
you know, people who are on their bucket list are things like give a seven figure gift one day. Yeah. Right. Like stuff like that, that really resonates deeply with me. And scripture that's always inspired me in the area of generosity is of Zacchaeus who, right. Gave away half of, of all that he had. And Christ said, amen, amen. I say to you, salvation has come to this house today. Right. Like he doesn't say that often in scripture and um, he does there. I partially resonate with that because I'm really short and so is Zacchaeus. But (laughs) I think also is just this desire to give. So that's kind of been a goal of mine eventually is to to give half of what I earn um, Mm. to the Lord. Wow. Man, that's really cool. I didn't know that about the Domino's guy. And then uh, Zacchaeus, that's awesome. I also didn't know you were short because I've never seen you in person. So you just gave it away. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> nothing, nothing wrong with that. Um, love it. Okay. Can you just talk about your, your boldness on online? I mean, I, I, I love it. Like you've gone, you've gone all in like no, nobody wonders what Jack Ziegler the third is about. And I think that that part of that is um, people like, I think that you are growing a lot on LinkedIn because there's no question. It's like, maybe sure. There's a lot of people that that might not resonate with because they're like, yeah, that's not my thing. But I would say even for me, I'm, it's probably a little bit more confusing, like what I'm about, but you are very like, um, and not to get into like content and how to get good engagement and all that, but like you have a very specific niche that like resonates with people. And I feel like you've grown really fast, but I don't know. I guess the question is like, um, I mean, that, that's, that's pretty bold. Like, I don't know if you've experienced any sort of like persecution or people that like disagree with you. Uh, I don't know. I just kind of want to hear about that a little bit. Yeah. That's been the the biggest surprise for, um, for me. And I think everybody who asked me that very question is I have not had a lot of people like get mad at me or um, upset about me proclaiming my faith and and being really clear about what I stand for. Um, I'm also not really speaking on polarizing topics usually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kind of speaking about truth, beauty, and goodness, right? The transcendentals mm-hmm. and, um, I'm just willing to, to, to pin Christ to that also. Right. And, um, so yeah, it's been, it's been amazing. I think I I also realized, um, partially through the the cancer journey that, um, I looked up and was like, okay, 90% of my clients are Christian. Um, I should just stop pretending that that's not true (laughs) and like lean into it. Um, so I just started leaning into it and, um, you know, it's great. The people who want to work with me and who I want to work with find me and they find me more easily. And when they read my content, it resonates more deeply and they realize, oh, Jack's the advisor who helps me, right? He's the one who gets that my family wants to prioritize his spouse that stays at home or wants to prioritize um, Christian education or wants to prioritize generosity. Like, I don't have to explain that to him. He already gets it. Um, and those are often the things that if you're not aligned there, a financial advisor might 
be pressing you against or, or trying to get you to, to do something different. Um, not that it's bad to not do those things, but just you don't usually want to fight your advisor on your values. Right? Yeah. <laughs> That's probably important. And I love it, dude, because one, just from a, a Christian standpoint, there's no question about like where you stand. And I really admire your boldness. Um, me and my friend Gavin, he works at Wilds Park. Shout out to him. We were talking about you like yesterday about one of your posts about the one that was like, yeah, do you ever just give more? Have you tried giving more? And we were like, Phew, it's a gut punch. So it's, I mean, people are seeing it. It's resonating. It's convicting. Um, and I just really admire the faithfulness there. But even to, to take a step aside from maybe someone listening to this and, and you're not a Christian and, and you're still listening to this, we love you. Thank you. Maybe, maybe I clicked off. But if you are, even from like the, just the like content standpoint, I mean, you're, I just love like the niche that you have. Like, I, I think that I've been at times sort of afraid to do that and have just stayed a little bit broad. And people often say, you know, if you try to reach the, the whole world, like you'll reach nobody. And I bet for advisors, there's probably many of them. And, and, and maybe you were this at one time where it's like, yeah, I'll take anybody on whoever wants to use me. Like, let's do it. And you would think that maybe you get more, but like when you really focus down, there's probably a lot more people that come to you. Have you found that? Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. The more I get, the clearer I get about who I help and why I'm the right person to help them, the more people I'm able to see and help. Um, And, you know, people disqualify themselves um, almost. So you don't have to sort through that through, you know, excess meetings that um, lead to nowhere. People are kind of sorting through themselves and, um, seeing who they want to work with. And I know I'm not the best advisor for everybody to claim that I think would be a little arrogant, but (laughs) I also know that, right. There is a group of people that I am the best advisor for. Um, and I just want to find them and I want them to be able to find me. Hmm. It's good, dude. I love it. Um, For those of you who've made it through with us, thank you. I just got like a phone call. We just had lots of interruptions here. And you know, we're getting opposition because we're talking about good stuff here. The enemy doesn't want this getting out. Uh, So Jack, thank you. Just everything that you're sharing. Before we wrap up, can you just give us an update so that um, we can be praying? And I... And I wish the timing was different because I think by the time this comes out, we might know the answer. So I might have to like add something in later, but just on your, um, the pregnancy of your wife and your cancer journey, what, what, what can people know and be praying for, for you? Yeah, well, we are having a baby boy come in this Christmas. Um, so I'm excited for that. Um, John Ziegler, the fourth coming soon. <laughs> yes. um, Let's go. Um, yeah, we, um, I will in two weeks from this recording be finding out if I am cancer free or not. Um, so yeah, pray for me in that all signs point to, I will be clear. Um, I'm done treatment for the time being. So God is good. I'm happy about that. Um, but, uh, yeah, if you could pray for me, um, in general too, right. The battle's not over. Even when I get cleared, they've told me I'm cleared before. So <laughs> Man. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, well, 
let me just do it. Let me just do it right now. We're, we're on air. So if you're That's listening, good. join me, everybody. But God, I thank you so much for Jack and the impact that he is having. Lord, I pray, um, or I just thank you for his mindset around um, pursuing you and making it all about you and building your kingdom for your name and not his. I pray that his cancer is gone, that it will never be an issue again. Um, and just that we would be able to celebrate that together. And I just pray that he would be able to use this story um, to to help people, to point them to you. Um, I pray for their child, uh, for uh, for Jack Ziegler IV, for him to be uh, healthy and safe, Lord, um, and that ultimately you would just be glorified through their family. I just thank you for the boldness that he has to talk about his love for you. Um, I admire that so much and and really look up to him in that way. And I pray for the listener right now that maybe heard something that was a nudge um, that wasn't on accident. That was from God. And so whatever it is, uh, listener, um, would you ask God to show you what to do with that? We love you and we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right, brother. Yes. You're going you're gonna to tell everybody to wake up and lead? You ready? Let's wake up and lead. <laughs> Come on. See y'all. All right, man. Thanks, Big update for all of you about two weeks after this recording on October 10th, Jack just found out the news that he is officially cancer free. And so I wanted to come back in and add this after you got to hear from him, hear some of his story, hear us pray for him. And so praise God for that. I am so grateful and excited for him and his wife as they step into being parents here soon. God is so good. Uh, and mm, we're just so thankful. So I wanted to give you all that update. All right. I'll see you on Monday.